Hi everyone, it's Johanna with Promo Kitchen. I'm with Mark Graham today. And today we have two special guests. We have Kiani Perrin Savoy and Sonia Smith from More and More Merch. They're a distributor who's been around for about four years now. And today we want to have a hard conversation. Now, Promo Kitchen was set up on two mandates, and those are mentorship and education. And with education comes some hard topics sometimes. We want to discuss hard issues, and we always want to come from a place of love and to provide education to our community. We want to have thoughtful conversations that provide thoughtful and provoking questions. So with that, we're going to get started on a discussion today about racism in America. Before I start, ladies, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So this all sparked from our promotional products group where, Kiani, you had posted something in the morning on Tuesday, June 2nd. And I'm not sure if everyone has gotten a chance to read that post. I know the response was pretty overwhelming. But your post in this group was so well written. I really loved how vulnerable it was and impactful. Your words really made a lot of people stop and think. And in reading the comments, I see a lot of gratitude for your words. It seemed you felt helped people find some words of their own, and maybe they didn't have the courage to post them or share them themselves. Talk to us about what you shared and how it felt to sort of hit send on that submission on the post yesterday. Wow, that is so correct in the sense that hitting the send button was definitely something that took me a moment to do, just to even think about crafting a message. I knew how I was feeling. I knew that, you know, the promotional products Facebook page group is really a place that I go where we all go, me and my partners, when we're trying to find answers. And it's just really been helpful. It's been extremely helpful to us. But what was striking me was that I didn't see any support. I didn't see any mention, not even support, just I didn't see any mention of what was happening in our world. And I know, you know, for instance, when COVID-19 hit us all, there were tons of posts about how we're doing, and what's happening with your clients, and what are they saying. But I didn't see anything, even from that perspective. Like we all have clients that are being affected by the protests, that are being affected by racism. And I'm like, I don't see anything in this group about anything that's going on. Yeah. And that got to thinking about some of the posts I've seen just in Facebook, on Facebook or Instagram in general, where I've seen people that are white Americans or just white people who have said, you know, I don't really feel comfortable saying anything. I've said something in the past and, you know, I've been attacked for saying it. And I've started kind of picking up on that theme of like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I am the only person of color that some of the people in this group know. So maybe I should say something. And so that's what kind of prompted me to create a message and and not just kind of pointing the finger of like, hey, we don't hear you. We don't see you. You don't care. Like, I can't just assume that people don't care because I don't hear their voice. So maybe let me help you so that we can feel what you're feeling. That's where the thought came from. Yeah. And Kiani, one of the passages in your excellent post that really jumped out at me was as follows, quote, being active on social media, I have come to understand that many white Americans don't know what to say 
or don't want to offend by saying the wrong thing while trying to show support, end quote. And my question is, can we dig a little bit further into that? Why is that? And can we change this? I think that sometimes the education isn't there. I think that I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I really feel like most people are more good than they are not. So I really just feel like sometimes the education is not there. The empathy is not there. The compassion is not there. You've never walked in a Black person's shoes, so you just really wouldn't know. And then maybe sometimes you don't know anyone that you can even call and ask. So I think that sometimes when comments are made and discussions are had, they're made out of ignorance and just not knowing, not having the experience to ask a Black person. You know, Or when they are made, they're made in a public forum and it just kind of leads to shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. that don't really push the conversation forward and they really kind of cause pain and cause people to be embarrassed or hurt or scolded and that I just think it doesn't help. Can it change? I definitely think it can change and I do see hope. I see positiveness. I see people being ready to talk and ready to try and understand in a different way than I've seen in the past. So yes, I think it can. It's going to be hard work. It's, you know, anything worth having is hard work. But I definitely think that it's something that is changing and can change. Anything worth having is hard work. I love that. Yeah. Sonia, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. I just want to reiterate what Kiani said. And a lot of times I want to bring this up as well. Some people are just fearful of coming forward and voicing their opinions or putting in their input. And that's expected, but that's okay. That's why it's a good thing that we can come together and be able to talk about these difficult things and situations. And right now we're going through something that's difficult and it's real. So there's all type of emotions that's going on with everyone. It's affecting everyone somehow, some shape, form or fashion. But I know fear stops a lot of people a lot of times. Yeah. And is there any truth to the concern that someone updating an Instagram page or posting on Facebook a show of support that on the negative side that can come across as slacktivism, as just something that is just on someone's profile page and then tomorrow they've moved on to something else. And I think the reason I asked that question is, is there a difference between, say, that potentially slacktivist type approach versus really digging in and offering more tangible solutions, maybe whether it's encouraging people to donate to a worthwhile cause that's associated with this, or you know, going out and joining a peaceful rally beyond just changing someone's profile picture. And I'm wondering if the distinction there is where some people are concerned. I definitely understand that. And you know, yesterday was Black Tuesday. Yep. And a lot of people did support and they posted pictures, black pictures. And I guess again, the optimist in me says, Okay, yes. I feel like that's a big step. I feel like in the past that wouldn't have happened. That show of support for a lot of people, even black people, white people, it's been hard for them to simply say black lives matter. Without adding a butt to it or without adding a all lives matter or, you know, without kind of combating that statement. And to me, that is just really huge progress because sometimes as many of you, if you have children, if you have a husband or a wife, 
if you have sisters and brothers, people just want to be heard a lot of times. So I think that's an amazing first step. I think we have a long way to go. So I just think that that was an amazing first step. I don't think that that would have happened years ago. Yep. I think we are making progress. And I think that it's going to take time and it's, this may happen again in another five years. But hopefully when it does happen again, we'll be much further along. We'll have read some books. We'll have supported causes. We'll have put our money where our mouth is. We'll have made sure that our boardrooms are more diverse. We'll have made sure that things are put in place. And so I think that, yes, there are a ton of slacktivists on both sides of the fence, black and white included. So there are some books that I'm going to read because of this. And there are some things that I'm going to do different. There are some causes in other countries that I'm going to support now because they've supported us so incredibly. There's always something to learn and something to take away. So yes, they're there, but hopefully the people who will push our movement forward will pick up the slack. They'll do what they need to do in order to take this to the next level. Excellent. Now, the promotional products industry is not known for its diversity. I'm a Latin American minority woman in an industry that doesn't look like me. I'm really proud to be part of this industry. And I'm actually really proud of the comments I read in the response to your post. I was following them along nicely yesterday. How can I help educate myself and my colleagues more on what to say and what to do? And how can we empower people to use their voices more? So I have written a few things just off the top of our head that we think can be helpful. Of course, there are a ton of resources now. If you go to Google, a ton of books you can read, a ton of articles that you can read. But on a practical level, there were like a few ground rules that I kind of think would help to kick things off. So the first is just to have empathy and to have genuine concern and to really come at this with an open heart, with an open mind, um, without defensiveness, and to just kind of really start from that place. Using terms like I, we, and us instead of them, they, and those, kind of unifying the situation. Second, there are tons of things that we all can do, but there are things we can do right in our backyard. So not trying to take this on as an entire elephant. You know, you don't have to eat the elephant in one day. This is going to be a process and kind of just knowing that and embracing that, taking your time. You know, we don't expect you to just go on a binger and never look up, you know, never come up for air. So there are many other things happening in our everyday lives that, you know, we're still going to have to balance. But Carve in some time for a podcast, you know, get Audible and download a book and make a commitment to listen to that. So just kind of starting small. You can share your time, your skills, your knowledge and your connections with people of color, with black people. That's one thing you can do. I'm sure in our Facebook group, that could be a place to start or on LinkedIn, you know, find someone who's in need of what you have. Joanna, I will say also that I listened to the podcast with you on it, and you gave some incredible tips and pointers for how you run your promotional business. And I actually had questions for you about some of the things that you do on a daily basis and things like that. So making yourself accessible so that people can follow up with some of the great advice that you had, that would be one thing. Putting your money where your mouth is. In all of our communities, there are organizations that you can contribute to, that you can volunteer with. It may take a little legwork. A place to start is maybe a Black church by asking them, hey, what organizations 
could you tell us about that we could support? That's always a great place to start because they're going to definitely be dialed in to the community and it's not going to be kind of whitewashed, if that makes sense. So that's another place you could start. You could create a list of black women and men to hire for all sorts of services for graphic design and for cake design, and you know, different things that you could just literally build a list. Hey, when we're having this going on, we can make sure that we're including other people that we don't know, that we've never used, that are black, that could use the support. You can find out how slavery, how civil war, how Jim Crow is being taught in your local school. So that's for parents. You can impact that. You can find out, hey, what curriculum are you using? Is it a whitewash curriculum or is it something that's really inclusive? I was talking to a friend just about education in general. And if you're teaching black children a whitewash perspective, they're going to automatically dial out of that conversation, of that classroom because it doesn't reflect them. It's not indicative of what actually happened. Bring in some resources, bring in some, some people who can actually speak to what did happen and do that vibrantly. So that's another way that parents can actually get involved. But that's just a few ways that you can begin. I'm taking lots of notes. Awesome. Great, great, Kate. Great, great, great. I have a question for the two of you, and maybe we'll start with you, Kiani, and then we can go to Sonia. I'm interested to know if you're comfortable sharing a story that highlights discrimination that you have experienced as a promotional products professional over your tenure in this industry. And if you are comfortable sharing the story, I'm curious to see how people listening might be able to learn from this experience. Definitely. Well, This is such an interesting question because, again, I've talked about this with friends, with colleagues, and I can't actually directly speak to a time or a situation that was overtly racist. However, what I can say is that I have felt microaggressions. I've felt incredible silences. I've felt rudeness, which we've all felt. So sometimes you can't point that to racism. The person could just be a rude person. I felt dismissed. I felt invisible, but I've really actually personally never felt overt racism. And granted, I grew up in a very heavily African-American area. Everyone is well-educated. The leadership is primarily African-American, our county executive, the mayor of Washington, D.C. So I live in a microcosm, if you will. It's not typical but that's just my experience. So I really have never overtly felt that. But at the same time, you know, when we go to an ASI conference or a PPAI conference, do I feel like our Blackness is celebrated? No, I can't say that. Again, I spoke to a colleague and she attended a marketing conference. And at that marketing conference, this is a high level conference. I think the tickets were like $1,500 really high level marketing agency that put this conference on. And within that conference, they had created a black kind of hashtag. So it was black at the conference. They had special merch for black people at the conference. They had a private reception for black people at the conference. And so they were just really committed to amplifying the voice of black people. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's misconstrued. It's like, well, why are we separating them? Or why... Why is that? But I just thought that was incredible when she told me how the experience was. 
it illuminated the black people at the conference and they left that experience feeling so heard and so connected and so together and it illuminated their experience with that organization so it was just something to be like wow you know don't skirt the subject don't shy away from it let's attack it like let's go boldly into this thing and so i just thought that that was a great story and i know that kind of leads into one of your other questions but yeah so no i've never overtly experienced it and sonia how about you I'll say the same thing. I haven't experienced it like head on personally, but I will say this from being in the industry for the past three plus years and attending some of the conferences, it can be awkward at times walking around and not seeing many visible people that look like myself and Kiani. Yeah. It's very noticeable. And it's so noticeable that. When we may see someone that is in the industry that is a minority, sometimes we'll give a nod like, hey, you know, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you gals are out here and, you know, keep up the great work, do this and do that. But it's just a little awkward on that end. It doesn't discourage us or anything like that of the sorts, but it's an eye opener. Yeah. And it's like that in a lot of industries. I come from working in the corporate field and I saw that a lot. So I've been like that around that a lot. I did grow up in the inner city. I grew up in the inner city. I went to inner city schooling. We were lower middle class where I came from. Yeah. So whenever I did go out when I worked, I was around white people, Caucasians in the field. And that's what I saw. That was my view, yeah. my personal view, my personal experience. But I cannot say that I have overtly experienced racism that way, in that manner. Yeah. And I really appreciate you sharing those stories. And I think the reason we wanted to ask that question is that I think for listeners of the Promo Kitchen podcast, I think that what we're trying to communicate here is that racism or discrimination knows a number of different forms, right? It can be overt, it can be in your face, it can be some of the things that we've seen in the news over the last couple of days, which are obviously horrific and tragic all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which are more subtle and more nuanced. And I think that it's important that we recognize that. There was a very interesting thread that was posted on the CommonSkew community just earlier on today. And I just thought I would just read a part of a comment written by Nanette Gray. Nanette is a marketing coordinator at Lemonade Creative Marketing, and she's a Black woman. And I wanted to read this because it I think supports a lot of what you just said. And I must admit, when I read it, I was really surprised at sort of the nuanced approach here. So here's the paragraph. As a Black woman, I have recognized the immense lack of diversity in so many facets of our industry. When I attend the PPAI or ASI trade shows, it's rare that I see representatives in the booths or even more so owners of the companies that look like me. This becomes an issue when I walk into a booth excited about what I want to see and I want to talk to a representative about their line. On several occasions, it appeared that I was invisible, as though I was never acknowledged or greeted. Later, several people who did not look like me walked into the booth and were graciously greeted and asked if they needed assistance. I swear that I wasn't wearing my invisibility cloak those days. The only thing that I could muster as the reason for being ignored was the color of my skin was different than the others. I have made mental notes of those supplier companies and realized that they obviously did not want my business. I have made a conscious effort 
moving forward to oblige by not purchasing from them. And I must say that the tone of this comment I thought was very measured and it struck me as something that's profoundly sad. And, you know, I'll say in full disclosure that I'm a 46 year old white male that has literally never experienced anything like this. The fact that this could happen Mm -hmm. is literally beyond my imagination. And I think that that's why it's such a privilege to be on this podcast with you and to be able to have this conversation so that more people can understand this reality. Mm. Wow. And I would like to add that we had a chance to meet Nanette at our first ASI show in Chicago. Mm. I remember her specifically because she was one of the few Blacks that were there. Yeah. Minority women were there. Yeah. I remember meeting with her. I believe she's out of is it Louisiana, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me happy to hear these shares and his honesty, but it also puts a lump in my throat of like some shame and embarrassment for this industry and some of the things that we are not doing and things that we are doing. Yeah. Thanks for being honest. This question is for both of you. What more can we be doing as an industry to break this cycle of hiring people who look like me? What do you say to an employer that says, I tried to hire people of color, but none applied? It surely has to go beyond this. What do you think about that? Yeah, I remember reading this question. I had to like really sit and think about this. My experiences in another area, my background is in graphic design. And when I graduated design school, I interned for our city, city of Cleveland, and we had quite a few minority interns, Hispanics and Blacks, and it was kind of unusual to see the minority designers, and a lot of talk was, where are the minority designers? And it was a whole pool of us right there that another, a senior designer, she's very great she would go around and recruit us. She would go to the different universities and she would recruit minority designers because she saw throughout her experience that they oftentimes kind of looked over or looked past the minority designers Mm. and not to go out and like seek them out. Because when you seek out people with different backgrounds, you're able to get a more diverse pool of people and just different perspectives. You get different insights. Instead of everything just being just down one road, one lane. Yep. So that was my experience there. So I say outreach is a good way to go out there and get different people with different backgrounds, get minorities on board, just going to the, the public schools, um, going to the suburban schools that have a higher percentage of minorities. There, there's different ways that you can go about getting the people that you need that's educated and have that background that you're looking for. It's not that they're not out there. We started a Facebook group for minority designers mm. because we had to start that specifically because there wasn't anything inclusive for the minority designers. So we just started a Facebook group for the minority designers. And that's where we kind of all get together and we kind of, you know, make different connections. There's job openings. We kind of post them there and just get other people on board to say, hey, do you know someone? And sometimes you may have someone in your circle that may know someone that's of color, that's qualified and have the background right in your own circle. You have to get out there and ask. Sure. There's HBCUs out there. There's internship programs. Then you just get out there and recruit, right? Recruitment, recruitment, recruitment. 
that folks are out there. People are out there in different backgrounds, different industries. They're all over. I know a lot of people personally with different backgrounds where one may say, oh, I don't know where the minority plastic surgeons are or software developers are. I know quite a few. Yeah. Well, that's a nice thing about the industry in terms of being able to reach out. And I'm hoping that people as a result of this podcast are able to reach out to you and maybe able to get some connections. I think that that's a great first step. I agree. Yeah. And I'm going to take this question a little further and I hadn't planned for this. So I'm sure both of you are part of organizations and associations within our industry and outside our industry, like you just mentioned. But does it ever feel like you're the token Black person in that group? Because I know for myself, again, I'm a Hispanic woman in this industry. And through this organization and things I'm doing in the industry and outside, sometimes it feels like I'm the token Latin girl. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I mentioned that to Kiani earlier. I've definitely felt that way at times. Yes, I have. It's a pretty crappy feeling sometimes, right? Yeah. It's like you don't know if you're at a place for your knowledge, your skills, your willpower, or are you there because you're fulfilling a quota? Yeah. You don't know. 100% agree. Either way, I'm going to give my all, no matter what the case may be. But there's always that in the back of your mind, in the back of your head. I know, at least for me. To elaborate on that, now it starts starting to feel like a therapy session. <laughs> That's something all of us should work on, any self-doubt, because sometimes maybe we're doing that to ourselves. Yes, yes. and we spoke on that as well. Yes. We just talked about that. We just, oh my goodness. <laughs> we need to have more conversations, ladies, but maybe... What's happening right now is sparking some of that self-doubt, but also sparking some of that confidence. So let's just build on that confidence and stop the self-doubt. Agreed. Years of unlearning, like, you know, you're here because you deserve to be here. So I think for some of us, with some of the laws, the way that they are, and just the way things are set up, it's ingrained. And sometimes you don't even know until you do start to have these conversations where we're like, maybe we need to go get some therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> we learn some behaviors. And like I said, I just think that that's the truth on both sides. So we are encouraging people to go read up, learn. We will be doing the same thing. Sure. And just sharing your experiences with one another and trying to, you know, educate one another as well. You learn something new about you know, something that's going on, educate your coworker or your neighbor or, you know, talk it out with your kids. You have kids, have conversations with your children as well, because they're going to be that next generation out there doing what we're doing, hopefully, and they need to know as well. Sure. Let's pivot for a second. So in this industry, what are some things with diversity that we are doing right? What do you think we are doing right that we can continue upon? Continue to bring the topic to forefront and um, make it uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable, but things need to be, you know, said and need to be laid out. And we need to just continue to push forward with it, you know, being uncomfortable. But also with that being uncomfortable, we have to come to a median ground to get things going and moving in the forward direction and not backwards. And what I will say is that I've noticed, and I don't know if I'm allowed to mention like which organizations you know are doing what, but within some of the organizations that we're a part of, I've seen like a woman's group. I've seen 
a young professionals group. And I really commend that. It shows that there is at least a heart to kind of delve deeper and that certain people are definitely going to have certain obstacles. Young professionals will have obstacles that, you know, someone that's been in the industry for 40 years won't have. Women are going to have obstacles that, you know, men who have been in control of the industry just won't have. So I think seeing that makes me feel like, okay, this is a progressive part of the organization. So I will say I haven't directly seen anything as it relates to race and just kind of amplifying our voices and whoever's voice that might be. Again, as we were having a conversation, it's like, okay, at what point do we need to start a new organization within the organization, you know, a microcosm organization? And I guess that point is at the point that there are people within that organization that feel that they need their voice amplified. So if you have African-Americans that feel like, hey, we could use some love, we could use some amplification, we could use some mentorship, we could use some just togetherness, then that's the point you need to create an offset. If that's with a different group within that organization, then that's when that also needs to happen. So I don't think it should ever stop. I think that as long as the need is there, let's just keep continuing to help amplify and nurture the groups within the group. Yeah. Great point. I wanted to share an observation that was inspired by a post from a fellow colleague of ours in the industry, a gentleman by the name of Joshua Wolf with Skypunch Creative. And Josh had made the observation that diversity is also something that suffers in the imagery in our industry. So he was making references to imagery in, say, catalogs, whether they're online or offline, or even things as benign as searching in, say, Sage or ESP for a stress toy, and a doctor stress toy shows up, and the doctor is inevitably a white doctor, as opposed to a doctor of color. And I think many of us in the industry would not even think that's a thing, and I think that therein lies the problem. Josh had a really excellent post that really just inspired this observation. And I just maybe wanted to ask the two of you what it is that you thought about that and whether the lack of diversity in the imagery of promotional products is something that is a big problem. Yes. Yeah, the lack thereof is definitely an issue. Like I said, this is something that's always has been like in the back of my mind, the lack thereof. And sadly, you begin to kind of just really deal with what is or how things are and kind of just coast along like everything is okay, but it really is not okay. And I know before in another industry with the graphic design industry, we would oftentimes when we would need to come up with posters for a particular campaign and we're not doing actual photo shoots, but we need to resort to stock photography. Yep. The diversity is not there whatsoever with the imagery across the board, period. Yep. It's not there. So it's pretty disappointing. It's pretty disappointing. Yeah, I would have to agree. And I guess I've never thought of it as a diversity issue. And I'm always the one that's kind of like playing devil's advocate. But in my opinion, like even just some of the photos to me feel like they're 30 years old and that they just have never been updated yeah. in general. So we create and recreate all of our own imagery. Oh, yeah. You know, we love seeing the industry kind of progressing. And whenever I see the companies like Numo, you know, that have beautiful pictures for us to use and beautiful images for us to use, you know, so I guess I'm just kind of like, I don't think they've changed these pictures in years. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's time for a lot of the companies to let, let's do some new photo shoots. Yep. Yeah. That's such a, an interesting conversation point about how distributors and suppliers, but I'd say particularly distributors, because they're the ones that have that direct relationship with the end client, that the best distributors in this industry have always been the ones that have added that creative layer, whether it's a custom photo shoot or whether it's something that is more than just say slapping a logo on a, you know, an ESP product. I get it. I was a distributor for quite a long time and you certainly have some of those experiences where it's rushed. But I think the best promotions are the ones that are where there's more thought that's put into it in general. So I think that there's a lot to be said for adding a little bit of creativity and customizing this so it's a broader message and a more diverse message. Agreed. Ladies, I have a new question for you. What other industries have figured out diversity and what can we learn from them? I definitely wouldn't say that any industries in particular have really gotten it right. I think that certain brands are really making some strides. I take my hat off to Nike. They speak. You know, I think sometimes we feel, to me, the theme of this whole movement has been silence. And so that silence that you feel when, you know, when companies don't say anything. And then, of course, there are some companies that can't say anything because, you know, the record that they have within their own organization. So it would feel disingenuous for them to like all of a sudden begin speaking up. But Nike has always been there. They always say something. They're never silent. And so I do have to take my hat off to them. And I think it's so awesome that Adidas retweeted Nike's support. Yeah of the protest and support of the movement in general. So just to even see them not be so competitive against each other, yeah. that was a really cool moment. I'm such an advertising geek. Mm-hmm. So I just, Ben and Jerry's, they're doing an incredible job. But is the whole ice cream industry doing an incredible job? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so I think it's more certain brands, it's kind of baked into who they are. It's baked into what they do. They care, they listen. They don't always get it right. And when they don't, they apologize. Right. They go back and try to get it right. Google, I know that they used to do a Black at Google. It was for women. It was a conference every year that they did. They have an ambassador for diversity within Google. And there are tons of organizations that have that. They don't always get it right. But, you know, I think that it's notable that they've tried. Absolutely. Good examples. Kiani, yesterday when you and I spoke, Some things that came up is that we're both learning. It's so important to want to be educated on what's okay and what isn't. If you could both tell us some things you've learned this week that others may benefit from, that'd be great. I know I can share that I was posting videos and content that I thought would be eye-opening and help inform others. In reading some information that you shared, I learned that could actually be a trigger. I'm glad I learned that. I took it down and I'm learning. I'm learning with you. What have you learned and what can you share? That same piece of information, like I had never thought about it in that way, but kind of resharing something that was already traumatic and how resharing that could, you know, kind of open that wound back up or just kind of seem insensitive. That was a really eye opener for me. And it just made me understand that there are people doing this work every day, all day. So while, you know, I'm very well versed in promotional products and merchandise and this and that. I'm not very well versed in, you know, dealing with racism and dealing with helping people to get a handle on it. It's just not what I do. So 
it was just kind of an eye opener to say, hey, go listen to the people who are literally on the forefront of this every single day, because there's probably tons of other gems like that that I just haven't picked up on that could help me to help someone else. And then something else that I just kind of learned or, again, that I keep coming back to in that silence and how much the silence over the years has really impacted us and hurt us as Black people to not have those allies, to not have someone, you know, when something happens that's really horrific in the news, to not have the people in your office to come and say, wow, we heard what happened. You know, that's really terrible. Yeah. Just that alone can go such a long way. And I just, like, the response that we kind of give when that happens or when there's solidarity or when there's just you're heard, you're seen, that goes such a long way. So I just really emphasizing how much it can start the conversation. It can help to really just hear Black people, see Black people, don't be silent. It surprised me how much it means. Good takeaway. Yeah. I have one more question, and I think this is an interesting segue to it. Are there any signs of hope that we can cling to? I think that we're in a really sad and uncertain, tragic time right now. Economically, the news is really troubling to see what's happening right now, and it feels like there isn't any hope. That said, I know there is always hope. And I'm wondering if there are maybe a couple of things that you may be able to share with us that may give us reason for hope, you know, glimmers of positivity that are shining through the darkness right now. There's definitely hope. I'm more optimistic. So I see hope. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That's my forefront is hope. I would like to continue to go forward and see things progress. And I've seen some things, even with some of the posts that I have been on recently, a lot of times I'll read posts or the comments for different posts, and they can be very hateful and one-sided and disheartening. Even like with the post that Kiani made, it was very well taken. It was very uplifting. It was very encouraging. And that was good to see, especially coming off of everything we've been viewing, hearing about, seeing the news. Sometimes we've got to kind of step back from what the media is putting out there as well, because it's like an overload and it's overwhelming and you can't see the light. You can't see through all of that. It's like a blur because it's so much so fast, too quickly. And just seeing that post and seeing the response from that post, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. And just, you know, seeing that in other areas and seeing other businesses starting to speak out and come forward and wanting to help and wanting to connect. And another thing that I've noticed here in my town, even with the protesters, looking out in the crowd, it was not just all, you know, black faces. There were white faces, brown faces, old people, young people. It was quite a sight to see. It was very promising seeing that. And, you know, other cities where in the UK, they began to get on board. And I believe I saw it with Berlin, Germany, they began to get on board. And it's just a sight of hope and just encouragement for other people to see, you know, there are some other people that care and that empathize with what's going on. And it's not just us. Like, I really felt that this week. It really lifted me up. It really encouraged me because, you know, I really did begin to feel 
just awful, (laughs) you know, just awful. And, And just seeing it played out again on television, it was just, it did something in a positive way for me. We're not nowhere near the end. Mm. We have, you know, heights and heights to climb. But I do see hope at the end of that. If we just continue on and get on the ground, at least start walking. You know, we got to start walking first. Then we can get a little jog going. Then we can start running and we get things moving that way. But, you know, just seeing, you know, that compassion and empathy from others, it was very promising, very promising. So not all is bad. It appears to be right now, but just seeing that little, that little stride, that little consideration, it definitely did something in a positive light for myself. Excellent. Well, I think ending this on hope is probably the best way to do that. And I'd like to give both of you a chance to provide any statements you'd like, you know, wrap this up in any words you want to share and just let us know your closing thoughts. Closing thoughts for me, I would just say, you know, just thanks for receiving the message in the way that it was intended. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for, you know, having the conversation because, you know, back to the question, you said, what is the industry doing right? I think Promo Kitchen is doing some really great things with their mentorship program. And so just, you know, thank you for being there. I look forward to more conversations. I look forward to just growing with the organization and within it and looking forward to a brighter day. We can definitely share some resources. Just thank you, you know, for hosting us today. And thanks for having the mind to have us here. Yeah, of course. We can't thank you enough. This is really good. I know for me to hear, and I really think our community will appreciate all this information as well. Yeah, this was really, really enjoyable. And it was a pleasure to be able to address some topics that may be a little bit uncomfortable for some folks, but I think it's this transparency and this honesty and frank discussions around this that will expose this message to specifically within the industry, people that may not be aware of some of these struggles. And it's been a really educational journey. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much on behalf of the entire community. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.